Oh, come on, church family. How many of you know that all of our lives, our great God has been forever faithful? And his faithfulness, it does not stop now. In fact, I believe it's going to be demonstrated more than ever before. Now, wherever you're watching at from anywhere in the world, here's what I'd like for you to do right now. I would like for you to join us in a time of prayer. Let's lift up our voices to our great God and let's ask for his protection, but not only his protection, let's ask for his power to eradicate this disease from our world, our state, our cities. Let's believe in the power of God the hand that can touch a leper and drive that leprosy far from him is the same hand that can be stretched forth now and absolutely heal a hurting world. So let's join our faith together right now and let's lift up the name of Jesus in prayer. Father, we come before you today from our homes, from our businesses, from wherever we're at all around the world as one giant church family. And Father, we thank you as we assemble together online. What we say, Father, is this mountain will move in Jesus' name. Father, Jesus has told us to speak to our mountains and that they would be removed. And so, Father, we thank you that this coronavirus that has invaded nations all over the world is not bigger than our God. It's not greater than our Jesus. It's not too dark that a light can't shine right through it. So, Father, in one accord, we join up together today and we say in Jesus name this giant will fall we rebuke panic we rebuke fear we rebuke uncertainty we rebuke the darkness and we say the light of Jesus will break through the darkest of nights and will bring freedom and liberty and victory we will not bow our knee to this sickness instead we say we only have one Lord his name is Jesus And in that matchless, mighty name, this giant will fall in Jesus' name. For, Father, all of our lives, you have been faithful. All of our lives, you have been so good. And we know there's no way that is stopping now. Father, we thank you for it. And, Father, right now, we lift up all the families around the world who may be wrestling with this disease currently in their bodies. And Father, we just thank you in Jesus' name. You are bringing healing unto them. Father, we thank you for any person who may be suffering from a hurt heart because a loved one went to heaven because of this disease. Father, we just thank you. Your Holy Spirit, he is an amazing comforter. And I thank you, Father, you comfort the hearts of those people in Jesus' name. Father, we love you and we thank you your faithfulness is being demonstrated to us. We thank you, Father, that we will no longer be slaves to fear, but we will rise up as children of faith and let our light shine in this world. We ask it all, Father, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, I have something in my heart today, and I know that you are just uh, in your homes watching from all over the world, and I want to encourage you that God has a response to this virus, and I want to talk about that. What is our response to this coronavirus? Like, what is it that we as a church 
uh, need to do, us as people of faith need to do in order to manage the situation that we are in right now. So we're going to ask this question today. What do we do about this virus? Uh, and I want to talk about that practically. Now, years ago, I made this statement, and the statement is just simply this. If I use more wisdom, I will not have to use as much faith. <laughs> have any of you ever seen that before in your own life? If I use more wisdom financially, I wouldn't have to use as much faith financially. Have you ever experienced that? When me and my wife uh, first got married, uh, we had this conversation, and she asked me, she said, so how much can I spend? <laughs> and I had never been asked that question before. I had been, I'd never been married before. So I'm like, I don't know, how much can you spend? And there was this credit card that I had that I was used to just, you know, making expenses on, racking up miles, all those types of things. I'm like, here, you can just have this card. It has a credit limit on it. And, you know, you can just spend. And when you hit the credit limit and it's declined, you've spent too much. Uh, but until then, if you haven't had it declined, just keep spending. I didn't know any better. I was like 22 years old. Uh, and so I gave her the card. And this worked beautifully for about four months. Four months, she would just spend until, you know, it declined. And uh, I would make the payment and we would be good to go. And then the next month would start it over until the credit card company raised my credit limit without notifying me and it tripled it and so I come in one month and you know I didn't know that they had done this and I come in one month and I'm like where did all this stuff come from and she's like oh, it hadn't declined yet I'm like well you know you must be a great shopper uh, like everything must have been on sale. And so she just kept buying and buying and buying. I'm like, go for it. You go, girl, until it declines. You just do your thing. And so she just kept swiping and swiping. And then I got the credit card statement in the mail and I realized what had happened and immediately I saw my lack of wisdom resulted in me having to use more faith. And the truth of the matter is, in all of our lives, I think we have moments like that, that maybe we haven't been wise with our physical bodies, and now we're having to use faith to rescue ourselves out of this. We need to use wisdom. And in this time where we are uh, seeing this virus and hearing about it constantly, while I know that it can lead to fear, we still need to do the wise thing in this moment. Now, where this statement came from, if I use more wisdom, I wouldn't have to use as much faith, came from the temptation of Jesus found in Luke chapter four and verse number nine. And uh, you know, this was the, the story where Jesus was tempted by the enemy, and the enemy took him up on a, a high hill and showed him all these things. And in one of the temptations, we see this, and he brought him into Jerusalem, and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, if you be the son of God, cast yourself down from hence. For it is written, he will give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall not bear thee up, lest at any time you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, it is said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now here what's going on in this story is Satan is coming to Jesus and he is asking Jesus to do something that is foolish. Uh, to cast yourself off a cliff and just believe, well, God's good enough to bail me out. God loves me enough to bail me out. I have faith enough to bail me out. And Jesus is listening to this temptation 
to do something foolish, to do something unwise, and he comes back and says, I will not put God in that position. I will make a decision to not put God in a position where he has to bail me out, and here's why. Uh, They'll put it up as my next screen. Putting our God in a place where he has to reward our foolishness is the wrong place to put our God. Does that make sense? Like, if I knowingly am doing something financially that I know is not going to be good for me, and then I come back to God and I'm like, but you're good enough to bail me out. How many of you know in God's great mercy and grace, he will? Uh, Like, there have been many times in our lives where I think we have been foolish and God has been merciful, where we have been wronged and God manifested his grace. But that's the wrong place to have to put our God in, where he has to come in and constantly bell our foolishness out. And faith, and being people of faith, does not mean that we don't use wisdom financially, it doesn't mean that we don't use wisdom relationally, and it does not mean that we don't use wisdom when it comes to things concerning our health. Now, all of us uh, are mindful of what's going on in our world. If you're not mindful of it, just try to go grocery shopping right now, and you will get incredibly mindful that something is going on in the world. And the reality is, is there are a lot of people who are facing the effects of this virus in one way or another. And everyone's trying to decipher and discern what is fear and what is wisdom. Now here's what we know. Wisdom is to wash your hands. Wisdom is to use disinfectant. Wisdom is to Lysol things and sterilize things. It was funny, uh, a lot of churches were talking about should we have church or not have church and uh, a lot of pastors kind of sent me their emails of what they were gonna send out to their congregations and all of those things and it's like this weekend we're going to Lysol the toys in nursery and preschool and we're going to take extra precautions in cleaning and like make sure like after services the handrails are wiped clean and I, I responded back like that's awesome but here's what I want you to do. Even when this is over, please keep doing that. Like, right? Like, I hope you were Lysoling things before. Like, how many of you know it's just wise to use good sanitation? That being a person of faith does not mean that I I don't sanitize things and, and put myself in a position where I'm having to believe God to heal me of a cold that was unnecessary for me to have in the first place had I had washed my hands. Uh, So wisdom in this moment is discerning what is the wise thing for me to do and do that. If I am demonstrating symptoms of some kind, like running a fever or having a sore throat or running my nose, it is wise to pull back and to say, you know what, like I will quarantine myself in this season. And it's not just out of like the wise thing for me, it's out of love for my fellow man. I don't want to make anyone else sick. I don't want to make anyone else feel unwell. And I would encourage everyone to do the wise thing in this season. But here's what I would also encourage everyone in is this, is we can't use so much wisdom that we wind up using no faith. We can't use so much wisdom that we wind up using no faith. When wisdom gets on the extreme end of things, oftentimes it can result in fear that I'm trying to be so wise financially that I stop being generous. I'm trying to be so wise relationally that I start being selfish. Like wisdom, we need to be wise, but we also need to make sure that we're not becoming so wise that we put ourselves in a position where I am absolutely using no faith. Uh, In the great faith chapter of Hebrews chapter 11, we see that basically what the people did was act like they had a God. 
And I would encourage everyone in here, no matter who you are, and everyone watching online, no matter where you're at, to become this person of faith and act like you have a God. Now, in this chapter, you see that these people were not perfect, and they were facing situations that a lot of times were incredibly dangerous and had a lot of people uneasy, and we see that reflected in our world. But we see what faith does is stand up and say, I believe I have a God. I will not be a slave to fear. I will not be in a position where I'm not using my faith. And the story this week that just kept coming up in my heart was the story of King David. And you know his origin story where he faced the giant. But there was really something interesting when I went back and read this story this week is kind of the details of the story. The Philistines sent out their champion, his name was Goliath, and he comes out to say, hey, there's no need for the whole nation to fight each other. We'll send out our best man, you put out your best man, and we will go from there. Well, the Philistines sent out a guy who was nine feet tall and had a spear that was like 100 pounds, and this kind of alters the dynamic of that. And when he steps on the field, he does something that is very interesting and I think very relevant to what we're doing and facing in our situations right now. It's found in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 16. It says, and the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself for 40 days. Now, I don't know how many days our nation exactly has been wrestling with this, but here's what I do know. For the last couple of days and weeks, morning and night, all we hear about is this giant called the coronavirus. And every single day across our news feeds, across our televisions, across our phones, across our social media, there is talk about how dangerous this thing is. There is talk about how awful this thing is. There is talk about what it can do to us. And I want you to notice the effect that it had on the children of Israel, the people of God, like what it did to them when they heard this report every morning and every night. I want you to see what it made them do. In verse number 24, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. So like they're living in this world where because of what the giant is speaking and because of what the giant is saying, morning and night for 40 days, When all of them hear it, they just make a decision to be sore afraid. Did you know over 500 times in scripture, Jesus tells us, be not afraid? That fear, when it gets in our heart, it alters us and it puts us in a position where we're not living by faith. Now here's the thing, wisdom is the principal thing and you and I, we are called to use wisdom. But also, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And here what the children of Israel had done was they had put themselves over in this place where they were running and hiding due to what they were hearing morning and night for 40 days. Now here's what corona means. Uh, I, I know we're facing the coronavirus and all those types of things. Did you know what corona means? Corona, when you look it up, in fact, you can Google it right now, right there in your pajamas. You can Google it right now. Corona means crown. And here's what irritates me. I mean, it irritates me to my core and was the very reason as to why I wanted to have church in person this weekend. Is this thing has become king. 
It has come in and made everything and everyone bow its knee to this virus. It has shut down our sports. It has shut down our grocery stores. They're all out of food. It's shut down travel. It's shutting down jobs. It's shutting down governments. It's shutting down churches. It's shutting down schools. This thing is forcing, like a dictator, like an evil king, forcing everybody and everything to bow its knee. And what's happening is we are seeing our version of Goliath play out as our generation is sitting here watching this thing day and night, day and night. But I love the story because it didn't end with the children of Israel just sitting there with a giant mocking them. There was a young man by the name of David who had seen the faithfulness of God in his life. This was not the first time something had come up in his life. He had a lion and he had a bear and he saw the goodness of God in this situation. And he comes in on the 40th day and he hears this giant running its mouth and when he hears it, something irritates him on the inside. And you know what it was? It was not only was this giant mocking the people of God, this giant was mocking God himself and making himself bigger than God. And David made up his mind, I will not have that in this nation. I will face that giant right there on that field. And I love this heart because all throughout the process, everyone around him is trying to discourage him from facing the giant. He's too big. He's a man of war. You're a youth. Like giving him all of these reasons why he can't do it. Saul tries to put his armor on David and none of it fits. It's all falling off of David. All of these kinds of things. So David has to take it off. But I love David throughout this whole process. He's maintaining a spirit of faith. And he comes up and he says, I understand that all about the giant. And I understand that this armor is too big for me. I'm not gonna act like that it's not. I'm gonna take it off. I haven't proved it. But here's something I have proved. I have proved a living God. I have proved a God who has been faithful to me time and time and time again. And I know that based off of that faithfulness, this time it is going to be like the last time and this giant will fall. You know the story, he got on the field and he's out there with the giant and the giant starts running his mouth and he's like, what am I, a dog that you would send this boy out here with a stick to defeat me? And the giant's just mocking him and constantly telling him who he's not and what he's not and what he doesn't have. But you know what David did? He said, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And it is not by might nor by my power that this, this war will be won. I will stand up here with the name of the Lord in my mouth. I'm gonna cut your head off. The birds are gonna eat your flesh and I'm gonna take your own sword and do it to you. He answered the giant with this spirit of faith. And you know what, on that day, here's what I love about this story in context of where we're at as a nation. It's he not only won a victory for himself, he won a victory for an entire nation. Now here's what I'm so thankful for. I'm so thankful for our governor. I am so thankful for systems. I am so thankful for hand sanitizer. So thankful for it. Like, so thankful for soap and so thankful for supermarkets that'll get restocked. I'm so thankful for all of those things. Saul's armor is amazing. 
And thank God that it exists in the earth because there are battles where we can put that on and we can win. But here's what I'm also thankful for. I'm thankful that in this situation, there are Christians all around the world who know they have a Lord and its name is not Corona. I'm thankful that all over the world today, you and I can come and stand and say, you know what, there is a name that's above every other name. There really is a name that which every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that it is Lord and it is not Corona, it is not a virus, it is not COV-19. Here's what it is, it's the name of Jesus, it is all powerful, it is all amazing, and Corona, it will bow its knee to the name of Jesus. Now, somebody says, well, how do we do that when everything around us is bowing its knee? I'll tell you how we do it. How did David do it? Every time he stepped on that field, here's what David did. He didn't just let the giant talk to him. He talked to the giant. He answered what was mocking God. He answered what was making a nation afraid. He talked back to what was talking to him. And here's what I want you to do over the next couple of days, over the next couple of weeks. I guarantee you, you are going to see constant things as to what this virus has done. You're going to see it on the news. You're going to see it on empty streets. You're going to see it in all of those ways. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up with your faith, believe in the power of prayer, believe that Jesus has given you the keys to death, hell, and the grave, that what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I want you to stand up up with your faith and speak to the barren fig trees in our nation right now and say, you will no longer be barren in Jesus' name. When you hear the negative reports say, no, you go back to the pit of hell where you belong. When you hear something that's making you afraid or making you nervous or making you upset, you come up and you make a decision that I will be a Christian who confronts the giant in the field. I will not sit back and be silent. I will not sit back and be full of worry, I will open up my mouth, I will pray, and I will speak the word of the living God. Now, what I find interesting about this story is that David had five smooth stones. When Saul tried to put his armor on him, he's like, you know, I don't know how to use this. I'll go back to what I have proven. And he said, I'll go back to what I've proven. And he goes back to a riverbed and gets five smooth stones. Today, I want to give you are five smooth stones, scriptures. These are scriptures we have used to pray for our children. These are scriptures that long before the coronavirus ever existed, we have used to speak over our loved ones. And with these scriptures, over the next couple of days, every time fear tries to hit your mind about what it is going to do to our nation, our families, or ourselves, I want you to pick up one of these stones, and I want you to sling it at this giant. Here's the first one. Isaiah 53 and verse number five. But he, he being Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes... We are healed. The next couple of days, if something comes up, I want you to say, no, with his stripes, we are healed. If you hear tomorrow morning, the the number of viruses uh, or people who have the viruses has popped up and grown, you answer it and say, no, by his stripes, we are healed. 
healed. Here's her second smooth stone. Jeremiah 33 and verse six. Behold, I will bring it health and cure. I will cure them and will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. This is our second smooth stone. You see something negative on the news, you're like, what's that scripture in Jeremiah? You go back to it, you find it, and you sling that stone and say, no, he will bring a health and a cure. Our great God will come through here with a cure. He's coming through with a vaccine. You answer that fear with Jeremiah. Here's our next smooth stone. Second Timothy one and seven. For God, come on somebody, has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power power, love, and a sound mind. You make a decision the next time you're in the grocery store. You will not buy the whole section of milk because God has given you a sound mind. I don't have a spirit of fear. I have a spirit of a sound mind, a spirit of power, a spirit of love. You answer that fear with this smooth stone anytime it comes. Here's our fourth smooth stone. Psalms 91 and verse number five. You shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. Keeps going in verse six. Nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand will fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come nigh you. Oh, this is our fourth stone. We're standing up and we're saying, you know what? It will not come nigh me. It will not come nigh my children. It will not come nigh my family. We have a stone and we're not just gonna keep it in our pocket. We're gonna sling it at our giant. And lastly, Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the Son. And when the enemy will come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against it. That you step up with this final stone and you say, you say, you know what? The enemy may be trying to come and flood all of our news, all of our communities, everything where we do life. But when the enemy comes in like a flood, our great God is lifting up a standard and he is stopping it in its tracks. And you make a decision to sling that stone. No more bowing our knee to this virus. We stand as children of the Most High God, proclaiming we only bow our knee to the name of Jesus. We are no longer slaves of fear. Now, I'm going to invite you.